Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Now, joining us next, we have two of our guys jumping in right now. We have R.J. Stanford, former Utah cornerback and former Utah offensive lineman, when, when he shows up here in a minute, Robert Conley. <laughs> joining us here in just a moment but uh rj how are you man i'm good everybody hear me all right yep we Big got Jesus. what's up rj what's up man i appreciate the opportunity to be on here so and slide good to see you thanks and then, and then we also have big con who actually is now the running back coach at weaver state taking over from another ute legend quinton ganther Hey, how's it going, guys? Sorry about that. Um, I'm actually in the process. I'm about to fly out in a couple hours. So I was, oh, <laughs> I, uh, right. was scrambling. I, actually, I got my uh, schedules crossed up, but uh, very excited to be on the show. Big Con, so, what's up, I'm dude? What's going on? Back in Utah, huh? Yeah. What's going on? What's up, Jay? What's up, Con? Big Con. How you doing? I haven't seen you in a long time. So I know. I'm I haven't seen you in a, in a minute. I'm doing yeah. good. So just just to kind of kick things off, we were talking with the last group about it, but you guys had a lot. It was, you know, Sly called it a, a a media circus, and I I think that that could probably put it the right way. But you guys had a lot of hype around you. You had a lot of players coming back. You guys were a really talented team, um, in that group of five. But did you guys think coming into the year that you guys could do what 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 that 2014 did, and that was busting the BCS? Um. I- I guess I'll go first. I did just because I had seen it. You know, I was part of that team. I registered that year, but, you know, I was able to see that. I came into college and I was able to see, you know, the, the blueprint and, and, and the process. And I felt like we had everything that they had. Um, and we were just as talented, probably a little more athletic on defense, to be honest, um, even though they had great players. And so, yeah, I absolutely felt that we, we had what it took to run the table and make history, in which we did. Now, Arj, we'll get to you here in just a minute. We, we also have Joe Dale uh, joining us right now. But, Joe, we'll, we'll get to you here in just a second. But, RJ, did you guys think you guys could, could you know, bust the BCS? Um, yeah, I'm going to pick up kind of where Rojo left off when he talked about the family. I think one of the unique things about our team was the demographic itself. We had a lot of guys from Texas, 
Hawaii, Vegas, California, and Utah, right? And I think for the secondary, at least, I mean, we've had the most probably fair-skinned DBs on across the nation. But because of that, um, that just created so much chemistry, and we were so competitive within each other just because of oh, Big Con and, and Joe Dale's from Texas, Slides from Vegas. So everybody was doing their job representing each city, and we were so competitive within each other, and the coaches did a great job just preparing us leading up to that year, leading up to that game. Um, when we talk about effort, uh, when we talk about just work, we worked hard and we played harder. And so I think that just gave us so much confidence going into that year and going into that game that, I mean, I think we, we had no doubt that we were going to run the table, you know. So I think we had so much confidence going into that year. Yeah, definitely. We had there was so much leading up. I, I there's so many like storylines that we can have with that. You know, I said it in the last group that you know we looked at it in winter training and we're like, I got Big Con over there squatting seven hundred pounds. I got uh, Beatles over there benching. I'm like, we we got a we got a team here, and and so like and then to top it off, training camp started and we got this camera crew that's following us. I'm like, why? Why at this moment? So I was just like, there's something special going on here. You just felt it. You know, as RJ and, and Roger said, you know, we had that family aspect where we always got together in the off season and, and really solidified our chemistry. And then, you know, just you know, we, we were able to get on each other throughout the year, you know, and know that any type of criticism that was coming was only to get to the end goal, which was winning. And, you know, everybody had the same mission. So I just think that we were all on the same page and, and uh, the true definition of what a team stood for. Something that we ended up doing with the last group, Sly and I wanted to kind of break up the games. And obviously we're, we're going to talk about the Sugar Bowl with, with both groups, but we ended up talking about the, the game against the Horned Frogs and against the Lobos with, with that last group. With you guys, we're going to start with Oregon State. Now that was a game where – it got a little. It got a little crazy at the end, especially when uh, in a big con. You can talk about this on offense, where you guys had to score a touchdown and also a field goal. And I, I think it was like what eleven points in the last ninety seconds in order to beat Correct. the Beavers. Just talk about that that whole process. Well, well, for one, we just never stopped believing, and we were led by our leader, which is Brian Johnson, which everyone on here knows. Um, but I think, well, first off, Oregon State had a really good team. Um, they had a guy by the name of Stephen Paya, um, who was really, really good. I, I, for a while, he held the bench record, and that was the guy I was pretty much lined up against uh, most of the game. Um, but like I said, they had a really good team. We never stopped believing, um, and I mean, you know, we played to the end, and ultimately, that's that's what it boiled down to. The defense, they did, they did a great job the whole game, but offensively, we had to put together some drives in order to come out successful in, in which we did. But like I said, we, we believed in our leader um, and, and we just kept going. That was the only game actually I've been booed, cheered and booed in the same, in the same game. So just to show you how wild the game was. Big guy, I got a question. What did BJ say? You know, cause one of the things that BJ's always said, you know, even from, from that game and, and even today was that, he noticed when fans were leaving the stadium. And at the end, what did he come in the huddle and tell you guys leading into that drive that, you know, 
one we scored and then the other one where we put Louie in, in position to kick that field goal. What, what was BJ's mindset? What did he say? What, what did he say to you guys? I mean, he was just saying, let's just go in. Um, and, and he was, and we really believed him just because he was always cool, calm and collected, uh, never, never losing composure. And I think that exemplifies a true leader. Um, you know, from a lineman standpoint, I know a lot of you guys are big time skilled guys and have been your whole life. But from a lineman standpoint, and it's not to knock any other guys, but when you look at your quarterback, when he speaks, you got to truly believe it in your heart and with everything you got. Or it's just like kind of it's, it's really demoralizing if you really don't believe it. But for as far as what Brian said, he just said, let's go win this. Uh, and, and maybe he had on a little bit of uh, vulgar language at the end, but at the, <laughs> bottom line is we believed it and, and we went executed. It's bottom no line. Question. question. Yeah, Jeezy, what about you, man? Uh, what do you remember from that game? Yeah, well, first of all, I got a couple of great hairs from that game. and uh, <laughs> But coming from what Big Con was just mentioning, that confidence, man, it, it really – starts there and, and that was kind of the 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 aura throughout the season man when when it started from the coaching staff you know coach Witt, you know we'd have these talks in, in the locker room he, they would did a great job preparing us throughout the week and then when we actually got into the game having a quarterback that was calm and mind you i was a gunner on punt so i was always rooting for the offense man because you know that was a tiring day for me, you know, because you have to go out on the punt and come back and play defense. But um, that game, man, was 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 exciting, but it was stressful. But also on that sideline, man, you could just tell everybody was so engaged and everybody believed in each other, bro. And that was the thing that, you know, I appreciate about the 08 team was we could look at each other on the sideline. We could look at each other on the field and just have that confidence knowing that, hey, even though we're down and we got to make a run, we were confident we could get it done. And so that, that was my take on that game. Yeah, man, that game was – it was nuts. You know, there's there's so many things that a lot of people don't really realize. Like, okay, exactly one week before that, Oregon State just beat the number one team in the country in USC. So they're already on the high. Secondly, we had a short week, and we played Weber State. And honestly, those games, we get really beat up in those games because we're trying not to get beat up. But, you know, even against those D2, D3 schools, like, I mean, I remember I had this big thigh bruise and I was like, it was hard to walk that week. But like, we knew we had to come out for this Oregon State game. That was our chance to really jump up in the polls and really establish ourselves in the nation because they just beat the number one team. So, of course, that that, that proves well for us. But um, what I remember and take away from that game is defensively, was the first time I really felt defeated. You know, it was just like we're literally giving them all we got and they just keep coming and, and they're just there. And just, you know, normally the defense is like we're always stable and you can always, you know, count on the defense to be there. But like we gave up, you know, um, a, a screen to Jacquez Rogers and he got all the way down there and they scored. And that was just at a point of the game where just like, dang. And then, you know, and just to see BJ and the offense go down there and make it happen gave us that second boost of energy to come out and give them the ball back and then put Louie in scoring position. So, um, again, that was another team effort one. And I think that game really led on to the, to the TCU game, you know, where, you know, there is no scoring throughout. We're down 10-0 and, um, you know, 
as a defense, we got to keep it going. We got to give our offense one shot. So I think that Oregon State game, how that ended and believing in BJ gave us the energy later on in the season to make sure that we stayed in the game against teams like TCU. By the way, Sly, for the uh, Oregon State game, that was the most points you guys gave up in that season. Yeah, I, I said that was a point where we just felt defeated because, like, their offense was great. You know, uh, Mui Val was their quarterback, and he was just – he was doing such a great job against our defense that, you know, normally doesn't happen. Like, we have a really good defense from athlete from athletes to scheme. Like, it just meshes so well. And, like, Mui Val was just – he was just picking us apart. Their, their play calling was great. But, like, you know, it was just – it was a game where we just like, damn, somebody got us. And then, you know, we just, uh, BJ came back and the offense handled their thing, man. And so we just it – w- it was just a real team effort where the offense had the defenses back in that game for sure. All right. So now another game to highlight, um, BYU. You guys get to talk about the BYU game. Uh, I, know, I know that the rivalry is different for every player, especially when don't come from this state. But you guys, you guys have played in it. You guys have been able to witness it. I mean, it wasn't as dominant um, of, you know, a series – in Utah's favor as it is now, obviously with, with nine straight wins and, you know, people are, are thinking that it's already going to be 10 this year, but just back then, Robert, we'll start with you. What was your kind of mindset whenever BYU came up on that schedule? Well, just to kind of piggyback off of what you just said, Trevor, me growing up in, you know, Southeast Texas, I was not familiar with the rivalry. Um, and then, you know, when I became a, a youth, I, I seen very quickly that, you know, sides got divided. Um, I've always respected BYU. I, I didn't necessarily hate them, uh, but I definitely did not want to lose to them under any circumstances. Um, but, um, you know, every time we, we went against those guys, it, it seemed like it always kind of went. The re, re, quite frankly, the only two years where it didn't go down to wire was my true freshman year, which was 04 and 2008, which I think that within itself just kind of, it just kind of, um, you know, symbolizes those years were special, you know, uh, because every other year it, it went down, it always went down to the wire against those guys. Um, but, you know, I mean, like I said, I I didn't necessarily hate them, but I definitely did not want to lose to them uh, without question. So I, I always felt like they were well prepared and they were well coached as well. But uh, I, I definitely took it personal um, but and did not want to lose to those guys under any circumstances. RJ, how did you view the, the BYU-Utah rivalry, especially when you were new to it? Yeah, yeah. Um, same with Big Con when I was new to it. Coming from California, you didn't really understand the depth of it, but you learned very quickly uh, because leading up to that game all week, they're playing highlights from the previous years. I mean, they're going back. And so they have it on the TV screens. And when you walk into the locker room, we walk into the lobby. And I wore 25, which was the same number as Morgan Scally. So, and he would miss Utah, you know, before Weddle during that era. And he would always remind me of like the importance of, of the pedigree that we come from with Utah and just having that pride in that game. So that game was all about bragging rights. It was about pride. And like Big Con said, we definitely didn't want to lose. Um, we didn't think about losing, but I think they had our playbook a couple of those years. So that's why it came to the wire a little bit. But uh, overall, man, it was always a great time just to get the state together, um, and, and it was the Holy War. So um, it was a great, it was a great game overall. But uh, 
Yeah, I mean, once again, we always had that confidence knowing that we could win, we will win these games. But I think just the history in Utah football itself, we everybody got a great understanding of that game and what it meant to everybody on the team. Something that I've always noticed in my 10 years of of covering Utah football and obviously talking to Kyle Whittingham in press conferences and stuff, whenever that that week comes up, he never says the words or the letters BYU together. Um, (laughs) You guys have actually played for him. You guys have have been in, you know, practices leading up to those games. Has he ever said the letters BYU together? The team down south. The team down south. It was was always the team down south. Uh, You know, Coach Mark kind of established that. Yeah, uh, that verbiage uh, where we just don't address those guys by their actual name, and I think that stemmed from you know the old, the old Ohio State Michigan rivalries with obviously with Coach Meyer being a Midwest guy. Um, that that's kind of what the history behind it. I just yeah, find that so was, crazy. His name all those was Gray Faces down south. You don't give them a name. <laughs> they don't get no respect here, <laughs> especially you know when I mean? Kyle played at BYU. Right. Sure. Right. Yeah, it definitely stung with him. He, he, some reason he just does not like them at all, and I love it because that brings the juice to the energy. You know, it, it, it all falls down. You know, from the head uh, of the snake. You know, uh, Coach Witt just led us every bit of that season. I know they said it um, in the last group that you know we accomplished every goals, and literally the beat the team down south is the number one goal on that list. You know, we can go zero and eleven but you beat the team down South and then it came beat Michigan. And then it came, you know, win the conference. And, you know, so, um, you know, it, it was always something that's always circled on our list. And as you said, it was something that has always been a, a close game and except for 04 and 08, but like really the 08 game was close until the second half until Joe Deasy, which I, I wish he was out here. Cause I had to ask him a couple questions about this. Joe Deasy had a couple picks in that game, some great picks, man. And so like, we just made some plays in that game because we were just gelling, you know, getting off of the TCU game where we know, like, look, even if it came down to the wire, we got this. We are that team that are that is so put together that we can handle anything. And then uh, just knowing that the week before that, we played San Diego State, scored like 60-something points. And so, like, we can score if we want. Like, we literally can do what we want. Let's just go in here and make it happen. And even though BYU was ranked that year, it didn't matter. You know, we, we definitely fighting with them, that's for sure. And um and and to stay fighting is how we had to start the game. Just like Alabama, when I said that we had to, uh, I was at the coin toss. Big Kyle's at the coin toss with me. <laughs> but um, same thing with BYU. And like all week, I heard about them doing the haka on our field, and I'm just like, no, it's not happening. It's not happening. And then next, you know, like they start doing it, and I'm just fuming because I'm just feeling it the whole time, and I don't even know I'm black. I didn't, I didn't see anything. I'm just walking over there about to start a fight. And next, you know, in my hair, I just hear Joe Dale says, we got your back. And then I look behind me and the whole team is right there. And the crowd is just standing. And next, you know, we just make it happen. No hockey happening here. So that that's how we started the game with that energy, knowing that we're about to get into a fight. Let's get focused in and win this thing. So BYU rivalry will forever go down as something that I'll always remember. But um, I think the Utah BYU thing and what it does for the state, what it does for the players is uh, one of the best things that I've ever been a part of. Now, moving on to because so you guys you guys went on to beat BYU pretty handily. And, and as I mentioned, it was more in that second half. But you guys finally got that bid 
and, and they end up saying, you guys are going to the Sugar Bowl, you guys are going to be playing Alabama. What came to mind when, when that was said to you guys, when you guys were to, uh, told you guys are going to New Orleans, playing in a big-time bowl game, you know, a chance to bust the BCS, but you're having to face Alabama. I think we were disappointed that we weren't playing the national championship game. I think, you know, I think that year we were so confident. By that time, we wanted to play the top dog. And Alabama, you know, came on our came on the bid. Um, we were excited, but at the same time, uh, I, I personally felt like we were a little disappointed because we wanted to be, you know, we're BCS busters, but we felt that year we should have been battling for the national championship, you know, hands down. But uh, Alabama, obviously, they are who they are. They have a great program and, and, and no disrespect there. But I think at the same time, uh, I think Sly mentioned earlier in, in the in the call that he was like, why, why is everybody on ESPN 90%, you know, Alabama? Obviously, they have the track record behind them. But when it came to, like I said, the aura and our confidence in the team, we were like, please, you know, and we just had that confidence that we were going to go in there and, and let them know who the Utah youths were, you know, and Big Con could speak on it, but yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah, I mean, just to piggyback off of what RJ said, <clears throat> I, I agree. Um, we, we definitely, by that time, the confidence was just overpouring, and we felt like we could pretty much beat anybody in the country, whether pro, professional, or collegiate. To be honest, um, myself, I was I was excited because, you know, it's about five and a half hours from the Houston area. So I, I knew a lot of the family would be able to come travel and watch me play, whereas in the previous years, that hadn't always been the case. But um, the bottom line is, <clears throat> I mean, I've been blessed to be a part of really great teams my whole life. And, and, and but this team was I knew we could beat anybody in. Man, I, I, I didn't really care who lined up against us. Um, you know, they were they were really big, and Sly kind of alluded to it earlier. The coin toss was probably the most interesting thing I've ever been a part of in my life. Uh, where a guy's basically threatening threatening to kill a guy. I'm like, man, Jesus, let's just play ball, man. But, <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, I mean, it didn't really make no difference at that point. I mean, we, we was ready to play anybody, but we did feel – like RJ said, we did feel we were national championship caliber program, and obviously it showed. So, no question. so you guys go in there, punch them in the mouth, twenty-one nothing to start out the game. You know, Robert on offense, you got you guys were getting some things rolling. We'll talk about the defense here in just a minute, but as soon as you guys scored that that a third okay. touchdown, what was going through your guys' mind as you guys were were playing against Alabama's defense? Well, um, that was a little different. Uh, I, Really, you got to kind of give credit where credit is due. I think the coaches did a great job kind of letting it turn it over to the seniors and, 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 and the juniors and the upper class when they're just kind of, you know, letting it, letting it, letting it rip. Um, if you look at that game, that was the fastest the offense has started off all year. And it's because a lot of it was just called straight from the field. You know what I mean? Um, Coach Ludwig had a great game plan and he gave Brian a you know, a set amount of plays that, that Brian basically had free reign to call. And if you look at the game, that's why we were going so fast. Um, and I don't think Bama was ready for that style. Obviously, they were they were not. Um, and we had so really we – we just 
I mean, we just we, we jumped out on them early, and then on the defensive side, and I'm and I'm not going to speak on too much of this, but I mean, we zero pressured the heck out of those guys. Um, and we, but like I said, I mean, that was just great coaching and great leadership, and coaches just kind of let the players play and, and forget about what everybody thinks about us or why they don't think we deserve to be there, and let's just go out and and, and kick butt, which is what we did. RJ, you guys were going up against some guys. Julio Jones comes to mind. Um, but, you know, Alabama really had, had some playmakers for them. Yeah. Uh, real quick, a, a famous Andy Ludwig quote, whenever uh, the receivers would, would run a route, he was like, you got to go now, you know, especially if they were, uh, you know, working on timing routes or, or the deep ball. So that was uh, – a thing that came to mind when Robert was talking about uh, playing fast and starting fast in that game for the offense. And once again, I was always a big fan because I was a gunner on punt once again. So that was extra rest for me whenever the offense kept moving the chains down the field. Um, but when it, when it came to like Julio Jones and, and the matchups with uh, Steve, I mean, uh, Sean Smith and Brian McCain, when there were a couple of balls that were nine routes where were just a go ball, they were play action, deep ball, trying to score a touchdown, and they were incomplete. And once those started happening, I think there was two that really came to mind. Uh, that was just, you know, for me as a defensive player, they really, I mean, those were their guys, right? Those were their go-to guys, and they weren't really producing the numbers that everybody expected that game. And I think, with us as a defense, the offense came out fast and defense was, was coming fast. And I, and I believe we were in better shape, honestly. I think those guys were big. They were from the south, you know. They were busy eating cornbread and greens and grits. And I think we were up there in the mountains training and conditioning. So I think that played a big factor when we came down to New Orleans, just as on a conditioning level, that we were able to run all day with those guys. Uh, and they couldn't ke- keep up as far as the pace of the offense and defense. Obviously, I mean, Sly has some huge plays in that game, um, as well as our defense. We are playing, like you said, zero coverage the whole game. Mano y mano. Oxygen tank needs to be on the sideline a little bit. But um, that was just the coaches, once again, providing that confidence to the players. Anytime a, a defensive coordinator – uh, when Gary Anderson was calling zero coverage and we had Kalani Sataki and, we and up. these guys, and they're saying, hey, we're going to man up, we're going to blitz. Um, that's just communicating to that defense, hey, we believe we're going to get to this quarterback and uh, the corners, you're going to need to cover down, but we give that confidence. Meaning if you're just sitting in zone all day and the defense coordinators are calling zone, as a defense, you're like, I don't know if they really believe in our ability to really – mano a mano match up with these guys and dominate them. But they were giving us that confidence with the play calls. And then, I mean, obviously, Sly was a quarterback on the field on defense, running the plays, uh, and just exuding that confidence throughout the whole game, man. So I think, um, I mean, that, that was the theme for me, I mean, throughout the whole season, man. It was the coaches preparing us in the right way, giving us that confidence, and just it was just showing up on the field, uh, either if we, even when we were down, right? So – the Sugar Bowl was just amazing. You know, I think uh, it was, you know, again, the whole theme of this whole 2008 year, I think it was a full team effort from the front office all the way down, man. Um, the coaches put together the best game plan. I think we started out exactly how we wanted to, started out on defense. So we let our defense set the tone. And then 
BJ just hit him in the mouth with that no huddle offense. I think you guys studied film on Alabama and know that they struggled with hurry up offense. BJ knew exactly what routes were going to be open, which was awesome. It's like he, well, any good player can predict, you know, exactly where things are going to happen. And uh, we were just rolling. You know, we got out 14 to zero, I think even before the first five minutes of the game. So like, it was just, we were just rolling on so many different levels, the vibe, the energy, uh, I just remember me and Kepa Geisen just talking so much smack to Alabama. I don't think they understood what was coming because we were talking so much smack and they just didn't because they couldn't back it up. Like we were we were hitting them in the mouth and then we would tell them about it on their sideline. Me, I just know me and Kepa was talking to Glenn Coffey on their sideline and they literally just couldn't do anything. So it was just it was just the most epic game and of course the most epic result and um, something, of course, that we and all of Utah fans will never forget. To kind of wrap up here, I'll ask both Robert and RJ, and then I'll even ask Sly since we're going to be wrapping it up here. What does that 08, whenever someone talks about that 2008 Sugar Bowl season for Utah football, which is obviously one of the best in in school history, what just comes to mind when you guys guys hear that? We'll start with with Uh, Robert Carmen. For me, it the words that comes to mind for me is just resiliency and just perseverance because, I mean, you look at the, that season, it was not a lot of blowouts, you know what I mean? And it was times where the offense was taking it up and the defense was balling out. And then like like Sly alluded to earlier, man, those those Rogers brothers, Net Oregon State, <laughs> that was the first time I ever seen our defense back on the, you know, back against ropes. Uh, and, and, but the bottom line is just resilient, and and we just persevered through all type of adversity, man. Um, and we just refused to be de- denied. And 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 ultimately, I, I mean, you know, every year, uh, a lot of people say, oh, I think this is going to be the best Utah team that ever come through. And and I and I hope hopefully that will happen. But uh, to be honest, I just don't see it. Um, the, the type of characters we had on that team, as well as the coaching staff, it's hard to. It's, I think it's going to be hard to replicate or duplicate that particular um, 2008 team. And I'm very proud to be a part of it, um, and so love those guys to death. Of course, RJ. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with Big Con, and I think for me it was one was just that that confidence once again that was the theme throughout that season that comes to mind but also we were just so unique in the sense of not unique but we were we all jailed together as a family we fought like a family i mean there were plenty of times in the locker room there were a couple of fights that almost happened and did happen um, the field. at the end of the day yeah at the end of the day we, we came together on the field and um but once again i think that that confidence uh, throughout that season was when it comes to 08, it was special um, to say we were undefeated. Um, but like Big Con said, it wasn't because it was a blowout. I think it was just because that chemistry and that confidence that that gave us that that willpower and that that belief that we could win out on anybody, you know, even if we were down. So I don't know. It was just a special group of guys, man. I mean, from the coaching staff, front office. Uh, on down uh, to the scout team, man. Shout out to the scout team that always got us prepared, too, for those games. Uh, They had to mimic their star players, man, and and everybody was doing their job. Everybody did their job, and everybody was clicking, and everybody came together on game day. Sly? 
Same. Um, as far as the 0-4-0-8 matchup, I do think we are the better team. I, we tried to settle it last year with Weddle and <laughs> and Quinton, but um, I I do. You know, as as we said, it's all about matchups, right? And I I think our defense definitely matched up well against that offense. I think Alex Smith is a definite talent, but our defensive line um, would have been able to put some pressure on him. And, you know, we, we just had, I think Robert Johnson was one of the best safeties. I played in the NFL with some really amazing people, but his ability to play the post, I don't think there was anybody ever better to play it. And so like we would have played to that advantage, you know, and um, you know, I know they had Paris Warren, Steve Savoy and Latondris and and Madsen. And, um, and of course um, the the plethora of running backs, but I, I think we had the advantage on defense our offense too, you know, from the familiarity of, you know, you know, big defense. I think we would have put them in a position to, to be vulnerable. I do think like Big Con said, it would have been a close game, but um, I definitely think that we are, um, we, we are the best team in Utah football history. And so 08 will forever go down as that, you know, and, and I hope we started something at that point. I really feel like you guys, that a uh, team back in 2004 really t- put Utah on the map. Mm-hmm. And you guys kind of put them into the Pac-12, if that makes sense at all, to where you guys are putting them on notice. You know, Alex Smith, Urban Meyer, all of them put them on notice. And then you guys kind of launched them into the Pac-12 era. Yes, I totally agree. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off slot, but we definitely have to pay homage to that 4 team, right? They they paved the way. They were the trailblazers. They were the team, the smaller school that was still beating up on the bigger schools or the bigger names at the time. And, and provided a way for guys like me, Sly, and the rest of the guys that were on to actually come to the school uh, and, and continue to build off of that reputation that Utah was building from 04, right? And so we definitely give respect to those guys. I mean, great players. Um, we just – they passed the torch, right? And we did what we were supposed to do, right? And I think the next team, the year after, you know, the 2020 team, 22, 23 – they should pass the torch and just continue to improve, right, and get better. And hopefully there will be another team like us. I mean, we're unique. Might might not, but at least pass the torch on and make it a better place than where they found it, right? That's so. Exactly. I, I mean, I wouldn't say anything else to that. I mean, RJ, that was, that was perfect. You know, as anybody wants, you want to be able to evolve. You know, so 04 did set the stage for us to be better. We had we had something to look up to as far as like they they set the stage like it is possible. So, uh, yeah, as RJ said, pay homage to the 04 team. They're definitely great. And, you know, I feel like we evolved and we're better. And I hope these Utah football teams that are going in now are better than us. You know, that's that's what we as alumni hope and wish. And as an old guy now. <laughs> hope and wish but um but yeah uh just what rj said it was perfect rj thank you so much for joining us i really do appreciate it and uh ho- hopefully we'll catch up down the line all right thanks for having me all right good to see you Slop. you too man and there you go that is rj stanford uh it looks like robert Connolly had to leave a little bit early but again we're gonna see robert Connolly on the opposite sideline in 90 days as weber state and utah open up the season slide that was that was really cool man that really was yeah, man, um, just talking to the guys, finding stories that I even forgot uh, was awesome. And being able to see Mikey and 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 Shelby and, and RJ and Big Con, man, I haven't seen Big Con in forever. So, um, yeah, all, all these things mean a lot to us and uh, hope we can get together this season 
and we have people getting together, <laughs> unlike 2020. Um, but yeah, that was tremendous to to relive that with those guys. Well, and you all, you obviously did a, a lot of the backbone work of putting this together, and I really do appreciate it. And I really hope you guys out there, all the Ute fans, really enjoyed watching this and just kind of looking back on, on one of the great times of Utah football history. No question. All right. Sly, thank you so much, man. Thanks, Trev. There you go. That is the 2008 Sugar Bowl reunion. It's always powered by kslsports.com. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.